Welcome back to the Financial Coconut Podcast Network, the leading personal finance podcast network in Singapore. I'm your host, Reggie, aka Your Chief Financial Coconut, and every Thursday, you will finally get to chill with us. We will be bringing on some of the quirkiest, geekiest, leading voices in the personal finance space to give them ample time to talk about their stories, the lessons they have learned over time, and some good advice for all of us. What has aged well? What didn't do so well? Why did they do what they do? So sit back. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And chill with TFC. When I woke up from the surgery, after they removed the cyst, right? And he said, um, Suen, you know, maybe you can't conceive naturally my tubes were severely blocked and that was a root shock la, at 26 like I didn't know what to feel or expect but I knew my husband and I always wanted children before we begin maybe yeah. you just kind of like introduce yourself you know for our audience that don't know you what do you do how do you how you know how where are we here you know kind of okay. something along okay. those lines yeah super mom go first <laughs> No, I'm just a normal mom. Hi, yeah. I'm Suen, uh, and I'm a mother of two kids, and I went through IVF for both of them. Hi, I'm Dr. Suresh Nair. I've been doing IVF for 32 years now. 32 and years? Yes. And Where I, were you practicing? Originally in KK Hospital, uh, way back, but before that, I did my training in uh, Australia, and then in the United Kingdom, and different parts, you know, and the United States as well. So I think at that time, in the early years, uh, IVF, and also some, the other area that I'm really interested in is laparoscopic surgery, where keyhole surgery, as is known. That area was moving in different uh, direction in different countries. So I went to different countries to really uh, hone in on my skills, and then got into getting mummies and daddies to be to be have to have children. And so this is where I am today. Nice, wow. nice. Yeah, I think we will have a lot of technical terms to clarify yes. today. Yes. 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 What is keyhole surgery? <laughs> what is IVF? What is IUI? You know, apparently, like there's so yes. so many things to, to clarify. Mm-hmm. But yeah, before we begin, you want to introduce yourself? Yes, I'm Jaslyn, uh, founder of the Busy Women Project. Mm-hmm. So Good. it is a community for busy women uh, to really find their purpose and balance through mental, physical and financial Fantastic. health. Nice. Fantastic. Is it a struggle for women? you know, that is trying to be busy and succeed in the corporate world to also kind of give some entertainment to this like mummyhood type of thing. You know what I mean? Like you want to do this, you just want to do that, you just want to do that, everything you just want to do. That's the super mom, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So like trying to be so many things for yeah. everyone yeah, and taking on crazy. so many positions. Mm. Yeah, mm. I think I think because everybody have very high expectation of a woman, right? Like you have to be good mother but you also have to hold a career and you also have to do well in a career yeah too many hats to to wear yeah you still gotta be a good mom and yeah. then there's, there's everything so so is it is it even possible is it even possible to do all of that you know just from your own personal experience and maybe no, your community's experience yeah 
where I am now, I would want to put in more effort in my with my kids. Mm. But of course, on the other hand, I would also want to be want to have my career also. Mm. Mm. So, yes, it's actually very tough to manage both time. But mm. I think as you go along, you know, sometimes because all these big changes when you become a mother, right? All these big changes can uh, be very overwhelming. But you have you just have to go along and see where, where it brings you. Based on that line of how you describe it, it sounds like you have given career a little bit of a backseat. I did put a backseat in my career because I actually went through multiple rounds of IVF to have my children. So at that moment I was still young, but to me, time you cannot you cannot get back time, you know. Mm. Like Although I still feel like I'm 20 plus, but I'm already 30s, in my 30s already. It's okay, you can forever 21 one. <laughs> That's the thing. I, I really feel like I'm forever in my 20s, correct? Mm-hmm. But my biological clock is running, yeah, you absolutely. know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's running. I, I can't say that, oh, um, yeah, I feel this way, but you know, my body is not dead, you know? To me, it's, it's either now, if not, I think um, years down the road, I don't think I'll be able to have kids because I personally know that I have issues also. And what was the decision parameters around it? Given there is there are so many mm-hmm. things that are important to you in life, mm-hmm. right? So there are, there's your career, there's your family. How did you come to a decision that, yes, I'm going to take a back seat? I think it's that? also because when I just got married, right, I actually knew that I have problems. I will have problems conceiving on my own. And during that time, just a little story, I was only 26, got married. And when I went for a full body checkup, I found a cyst, ovarian cyst. So during the surgery, I actually didn't know this, but the doc, my previous gynae, my doctor said that my tubes were severely blocked. When I woke up from the surgery, after they removed the cyst, right? And he said, um, so when, you know, maybe you can't conceive naturally. And that was a rude shock la, at 26. Like, oh. I didn't know what to feel or expect. But I knew... My husband and I always wanted children. Mm. And I always wanted children my, on my own. So because of that, kind of no choice, right? So once we got married, I went to see a fertility specialist. And that is Dr. Nayo. Mm. <laughs> the usual expectation is when you get married, people expect you to have children. And mm. that's the natural cause of events. Mm. You might start off with the two dogs, but eventually you'll think, I need children as well. And, and that's the usual expectation, you know. Mm. But then you wait one year, nothing seems to happen. Then wait another year, then you think to yourself, maybe, okay, leave it to nature. It will happen eventually. And then you delve yourself into career, but right down in your heart, it 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 aches, you know. You you think your friends having children, and then sooner or later you find you um you don't want to be with your friends because they're always talking about kid stuff. Yeah, true. And there you are as a couple, no kids yet. Yeah, I got my two dogs, but I got no kids. Then they talk about I went to this nursery, I got this uh, sort of uh, special sale there was, you know, where I got some, even even simple things like buying a nice dress for your child and all that. And sooner or later, you then get yourself out of that circle of friends mm. you've had, and then you feel quite alone. And this is where you need support from friends, family, and your SG fertility, where you can have a source of information, you know, because sometimes it takes a lot of energy courage to even come to see a doctor and and see whether do i have a problem or not and your spouse many men have the mistaken notion that it is a female problem Mm. 
And believe you me, 50% of the time, it's a sperm problem, mm. a, a male problem. Mm. Ah, you see, guys, your problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Please you, don't always you, think uh, the women are, uh, tell the yeah. mother-in-law, don't keep scolding the part. Absolutely. <laughs> real. That's real. And the yeah, poor yeah. girl, in many cultures, everywhere you go, they think it's a female problem. Mm. Mm. And only in recent times, we are getting a little bit more information, we're getting more educated. Mm. And Sue Ann and a group of friends have done a tremendous job of starting off this SG fertility. So Sue yeah. I'm curious uh, about with your community, do you involve both the females and their partners, mm-hmm. like the males, uh-huh, or uh-huh. is it just the females? Like how, like how do you run that? Okay, so uh, we actually started a group to talk about fertility issues. FertilitySupport.sg is our Instagram. Mostly actually women. But we did start a group for men. Mm. It's just that sometimes the men are a bit quiet. But there is a group for them. And they do. They still can ask questions. Some of the men now, they are actually very supportive. Surprisingly. I mean, mm. I, I feel a bit surprised. Mm. The, um, but it's be- a good sign, right? Yeah, it's, it's a good, good sign. sign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because some of, sometimes women, they do not want to approach us. Um, for advice so so we do have husbands coming to us saying like oh my, my wife is going through this retrieval now what, what can she do to up her chance of success and it's the men who actually ask us mm. what are some other ways you find that males are um, supporting their partners what are some key ways of supporting the person going through the IVF process to me, I think when you're going through IVF or even IUI, right, there's a lot of medications that you are going to take and a lot of injections, hormone injections. And I think uh, it will cause a lot of mood swings, does it? It does. All the husbands say so. <laughs> 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 There's been a sudden surge of earplug yeah, sales. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it does, but we mustn't. Uh, I mean, make too big yeah, a deal yeah. out of it. Yeah. But it, I think, it, yeah, yeah, it causes like mood swings, and also you, it causes bloatedness. Also, it does, right? Yeah, I felt very bloated when I was going through IVF and very tired as well. The estrogens, which is a hormone mm. that increases, makes you very sleepy and tired oh, as well. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, but these experience. are some things that we don't really know until you go through it. Then it's like, eh, mm, then you feel so bloated. And all this actually, it will get it to you, isn't it? Like I'm not pregnant, but now you say that mm. I look pregnant. And you feel yeah. so... Sound, yeah, sounds like there's yeah. a lot of emotional like turmoil yes. in terms of your yeah. body image, mm. but also like Correct. the mental side Correct. of things, right? Yeah, yeah. Correct. And the stress of going through the anguish when things don't work out or you, you realize that sometimes you have no way of predicting from both men and women whether mm. sperm quality is good, the quality is mm. good. You go all of this and then it doesn't really pan out. So as doctors, we try to explain, put forth certain solutions and uh, all is not lost. We have other ways in which we can manage and get, get to where you want to get. And I think uh, a lot of times, you're talking about daddies or daddies to be father, uh, husbands mm-hmm. uh, supporting, uh, and even in same sex couples, the fact that he even comes to the visits is oh. mm. a tremendous yes. thing. Mm. And sometimes they, mm. he is apprehensive and he stays out of the picture, uh, mainly mm. because he, he, he feels he doesn't want to have his problems. Uh, compound what his wife is going through. Sometimes the wife wants to get to the appointment, do her own stuff and then come back home. Mm. Or participating in injections, getting to jot down what time she has to have it done and so on and so forth. Mm. Different levels of participation. But there are those who just either by due to fear mm. or apathy uh, or not realizing that 
you know, they have a major role to play, mm-hmm. might just stay uh, away. So typically snapping happens when a need is not met, right? So from mm-hmm. a woman's perspective, I'm curious, like what is that you actually require from your partner? I think it's just being understanding or even um, other family members, maybe like parents, siblings. I think just being understanding that this whole journey is not easy. Um, There's a lot of anxiety that the woman is going through. So just be more understanding. Sometimes when the woman snap, it's not like they want to. Sometimes it's just that they are so overwhelmed with everything really. They don't know what to expect. You know, when you go for the visit, oh, maybe the scans didn't go well. So all this will actually affect their emotions. Personally, I feel don't blame. Because when we are going through IVF treatments, uh, sometimes when after women go like retrieve the eggs ready, right? Then they then let's say if up to day three or day five there's like lesser embryos found, sometimes the men will say, Oh, because you didn't eat well. Who asked you? Mm. Who asked you uh never sleep properly? Uh, I told you not to not I told you not to go back to work already. Yeah, they will say this kind of thing. They will start blaming the woman because you are the one who is doing the injections. Mm. Say, then why you didn't, why, or why you still, maybe some of them still smoke or drink. So why do you still drink? Why do you still smoke? You see, lesser embryos is your fault. Well, from a doctor's perspective, right? Like if you have the best diet, if you're not smoking, so on and so forth. Like, does that actually help with the number of eggs you're getting? Yeah, generally, I mean, at least when it comes to smoking, uh, it's one of the most detrimental things uh, that affects your reproductive organs um, primarily, uh, both eggs and sperms as well. And ironically, excessive exercise. Some of us who take a high-protein diet and excessively exercise, some of my couples are super fit, but uh, that is detrimental to sperm counts will come down because of the heat buildup. Sometimes it affects the egg counts as well, surprisingly. Yeah, so, interesting. Yeah, so that's that's a, a major issue which we address. Obesity, of course, yes. Again, with uh, with regard to excess estrogen hormones in women, women with polycystic ovaries, there's a condition called polycystic ovaries where, ironically, you've got loads of eggs, but they are poorer quality. Mm. And they don't really come up, mm. you see. But I'm curious, say, like, you know, some of the blames that were being said, right? Like, yeah. you know, working too yeah. much, so and so that's forth. Right. Like, yeah. are they all valid or um, is there some that's not no, valid? No, sometimes you see, it's really difficult for a girl to go through all of this mm-hmm. and stay at home, not do anything. <laughs> you go crazy. Uh, at least I would, you know. Yeah. But uh, so <laughs> I encourage him, get on with your work, but at least have a chat with your boss. Uh, or, or your people working with you. You know, I've got to go for certain appointments. I can't stay very late at night. I, I, I tell them, you know, mm. don't hold big meetings and make major decisions and all. In that few 10 days uh, where, you know, give your, yourself a bit of a break, do some work because you want to take your mind off things and then uh, have a bit of leeway mm. where you can come for your checkups and things like that. And do your injections in the morning and go off to work or maybe certain mornings work from home yeah. and so on and so forth. Especially this whole concept of working from home. If there's anything positive that came out of the pandemic mm-hmm. was this concept of work from home. Mm-hmm. You know? So uh, increasingly, I'm recommending that uh, so that you're in a home environment, at least occupied, you know. Uh, and the worst time for a girl or even a couple is when you put back the embryo 
and you're waiting the longest two weeks of your life to oh. find out whether you've fallen pregnant yes. or not. That's the yes. worst thing that's ever, really honestly. True. I mean, at least that's yeah. what uh, you, you can share this. Mm. So when after you put the embryo back, right, the th- problem with IVF, right, is not a guarantee, you see. So when you put the embryo back, the embryo also need to implant itself. So all this, we have to probably leave it to God, correct? Or nature, so to speak. So during that two weeks, if you don't do anything, you'll really go crazy. And then you know what you'll do? That's what I do. Uh, and I, I believe everybody who goes through it, do it. Lie down there. No, you lie down there. Never mind. You start to... Must faster stick. No, you start to... Dr. Google. Oh, my God. A bit of cramps here. Is it successful? Oh, oh is it? Uh, is it fail? Yeah, uh, now that you yeah. start to go crazy, or maybe some some of us will like start to buy, uh, pregnancy test kits and then start testing like morning, mm. day, night. Oh there are Imagine so many that. dynamics at play yes. here, right? There's really the yeah. relationship, your emotional kind of well-being, uh, and there's also uh-huh. financial stuff, and so all yeah. coming uh, together. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And you clearly and can tell that I don't really know what the hell's going on, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> all I know is the bloatedness. I thought it's like heatiness, yeah. right? You know, Chinese yeah. medicine, yeah. everything yeah. is heaty, right? Yeah, yeah, but maybe you can kind of help people like me, right? Or like, you know, tangent okay. to, you know, mm. certain couples, right? So it's kind of like, in this realm of fertility healthcare, you know, like there's IVF, there's egg freezing, there's, there's mm. all these different, different things, right, right? right? Maybe, you know, doctor could kind of give us this like big landscape, like what does yeah. it encompass? What are the different stages and things? It's, yeah. it's, it's a good question to ask. And it's a realization that uh, you you asked me a while ago, Jazz, why is it the, now there's more uh, IVF or more awareness? It's, it's just that there's more awareness. You know that we can do something about it. I hope we can say we are 100% successful, but we can do something about it. So what's uh, important to realize is IVF is just one segment. Sometimes couples just may not be trying at the right time. So it's not that uh, we introduce that straight away. Mm. We have timing. Uh, you know, we do scans to see whether she's growing something called a follicle. It's a little mm. egg bag that's in the ovary. Some of us may not be growing that and therefore all we need is a little tablet and when we uh, show that the tubes are open by a simple uh, test called HSG for short and then we check the sperm counts just to make sure that she, she's not going through many cycles only find out that the husband the has the sperm count. Yes, <laughs> you know, and, and, and it has occurred. Uh, precious time is wasted, anguish, um, disappointment and so on and so forth. So the preliminary assessment is all important. Mm. And so we in the fraternity, uh, we have our doctors well-educated and uh, trained to make sure that the important tests are done so that we can draw the roadmap, as it were, which direction to take. In some instances, it's not as if uh, there's been a mistaken notion that IVF must be used as a last resort. Mm. That's not the case. In fact, sometimes there are instances where the question is asked, why wasn't the couple given access to IVF from day one? Mm-hmm. They deserve that. If the sperm counts are of a certain level, if the tubes are blocked or the tubes are damaged, then it is really an uh, absolute waste of precious time to put her through or put a couple through any uh, other treatment. And it's like um, I liken this to those who are not uh, quite certain about uh, uh, why this is the strategy that we should use. For example, I have a tumor 
my doctor won't say, let me try with the chemotherapy that's least effective first. Mm. And then we go on. No, we want to get to the appropriate treatments. And thankfully, we live in a country where it's accessible. We got three big, well-established government hospitals that provide IVF for every Singaporean, every person that lives in Singapore. And there's a good amount of support, so much so that sometimes in your first three cycles that you do, you don't have much in the way of out-of-pocket expenses. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So that's, a, that's tremendous. You just go around the region sometimes this is not that forthcoming. Yeah. But these days, the WHO has uh, established way back 20 years ago that infertility is not a lifestyle choice. It is a proper, we use the word disease, uh, that mm. requires treatment. It is your right to have access to the treatment for fertility. Uh, so many governments around the world were taken to task so what's the difference from a treatment okay, standpoint? So in IUI, it's an acronym for intra, means inside the uterus insemination. We uh, concentrate the sperms uh, through a laboratory process, and then we grow the follicles, usually one or two, no more than that, because we don't want multiple pregnancies. And I'll come to the problem of multiple pregnancies in a short while. And we then give nature a little bit of a boost by growing a bit more uh, of, uh, follicles which contain the eggs because in, in natural cycles, that's just the one egg that the sperm can choose to fertilize. And then by increasing those numbers, we boost the female side. By concentrating the sperms, we boost the male side. And at the right time, uh, the processed sperms is uh, taken up in a small tube. And it's a sl very slender tube. Don't need any anesthesia. It's done in the clinic uh, setting of the doctor. It's uh, slid into the uterus and released. And five minutes later, you, you can go home. So we, it is still very natural. So the fertilization, the sperm meeting the eggs still occurs the natural way. So the tubes must be open for that mm. because if you don't have uh, tubes that are, we use the word patent, uh, uh, so that it's open and it meets the sperm, then you can't do that. Then you have to bypass. In the old days, IVF was first known, the first uh, sort of uh, phrase for IVF was tube bypass technology. But very soon after, we used it for so many different indications, endometriosis, severe male factor, uh, blocked tubes, uh, genetic disorders. We use a lot of IVF. Now a big growth area in IVF is genetic disorders. I have couples coming to me, unfortunately, with a child with a genetic disorder. Mm -hmm. We make the embryo, we look at the genes that this embryo has, and those embryos that don't have the gene, we put back those who have the gene we put aside. So that's a big growth area as well. Mm. So coming to the question, what's the difference? The difference is what uh, we do in a big IVF lab uh, of getting the sperm and eggs together and growing it day by day, the early baby is called a blastocyst and it reaches day five, five days of age. That's when nature puts it back into the womb. We create that in a lab, but God creates that in a fallopian tube. Imagine that's the fallopian tube is just not a tube. It's a very intricate, uh, very special organ in the body that brings the sperms and eggs together grows the sperm and eggs uh, and makes an embryo right up to day five and then drops it into the womb and uh, hopefully 
God willing, a baby grows within the womb, see? So the distinct different therefore is, in IVF, we extricate or extract the eggs mm. and we make a few more so that it makes it efficient. And we take the sperms and in the laboratory, we merge the sperm and eggs together by a process called ICSI, which, is, which stands for intracytoplasmic sperm injection, or a simple terminology is inside the cell sperm injection, and the embryologist takes every sperm, checks it out very nicely, takes the best, best looking, handsome, most handsome sperm, and puts it into the egg. And then 24 hours later, we see whether the mummy nucleus and the daddy nucleus are coming together, that's fertilization. Then the very next day, 24 hours later, that's the first time you can actually say that's the true individual. The merger between the mummy nucleus and the papa nucleus, it becomes one nucleus, the baby nucleus, and it splits into two. And that's called cleavage, cleaving uh, stage embryo. Then comes the third day, where you get a ball of cells. In the old days, we only knew how to make day two, day three embryos. So we had to put them back into the uterus. So even at that early stage, the human uterus is so resilient, it can nurture a day two, day three embryo. We know that. But ideally, to mimic nature, we would like to bring it to the stage that nature brings it in. Uh. So we grow it to day four, becomes a big ball of cells. Basically, imagine a balloon of cells, a bowl of cells. And upon one area is a clump of cells. That's your baby cells. That's called the inner cell mass. Mm -hmm. Around it is what is destined to be a placenta, where it sticks onto the womb. Mm -hmm. And that's called the trophectoderm. I know it's a mouthful of words. It's but a lot. There's a yeah, reason why they're medical doctors. A, nice, <laughs> a nice embryo that grows, and this is what we look for. And if you have a nice blastocyst, your prospect of a pregnancy is high, mm. uh, especially if you're younger, you know? Uh, so that's, the, that's what we do in the labs. And we can freeze these embryos, and this is a, a major quantum uh, sort of advancement it is because of the uh, great freezing technology that we have that we can put one embryo at a time and can freeze it because the survival of unfreezing the embryo is beyond 90%. Wow. Okay. So that's how we have uh, significantly diminished all the problems we used to have all those years ago of tiny babies coming too soon and when they're premature. And that's why we are very averse to... Uh, putting two embryos, or you, no way we put in more than three embryos in uh, in, in this country is not allowed in any case. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, blastocysts, and so putting two embryos, yes, it's nice to have twins, but it is fraught with a lot of problems. Mm -hmm. You know, babies coming out too soon. What if one baby is normal, one isn't? What if one baby comes out and miscarries and then it jeopardizes the other and so on and so forth. So this is a discussion we have with our couples. It's not to say that we don't put both embryos in sometimes. In some instances, when things haven't worked out, we do do a double embryo transfer and hopefully only one will uh, survive. In some instances, we have twins, but hopefully no more than that because on in certain occasions, very rarely, one of the other embryos might uh, split into two and we end up with yes. triplets. Yeah, so what I'm hearing is IUI is like 
everything's in the body yeah. and IVF really is nesh, uh, almost, outside, yeah, right? Yeah. That's right, that's right. And if, let's say, a healthy 35-year-old were to walk in your doors, and what is the process of recommending? Should they go for IUI first or IVF? Or is it, what are the frame, okay, what's the framework so around that? If a- There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. If a... A 35-year-old young girl comes to us. The first thing I'd ask is, where's your husband? <laughs> Together with the partner, yeah. yes. Problem. Uh, is this a second marriage? She's had problems before and so on and so forth. Or is, are there other medical conditions that she's suffering from as well? So getting a very thorough, uh, precise history is all important, not only for herself but for her husband. Mm. Then diet issues, lifestyle issues, are they smokers, Do they, uh, uh, have they had a history of, for example, mumps, and that's affected uh, the husband um. when he was a child, and that's one of the uh, mm-hmm. really significant uh, ways in which one ha- has much damage, uh, you know, with the sperm production and so on and so forth as well. So having had this history, then we talk about what is available to them, I would have had an opportunity to get my nurses would have seen them. They have had their investigations done. And the investigations will comprise two segments, really. One, why haven't I gotten pregnant? They would have had that, uh, been trying for some time now. And upon getting pregnant, am I going to be safe to carry the pregnancy? For example, I would have her go for a breast ultrasound, make sure she's otherwise healthy, the pregnancy is not going to be detrimental to her. These are some things that sometimes is uh, sort of glossed over. Mm-hmm. And one, when I'm pregnant, and this is by sheer uh, experience of many years of uh, looking after couples, what if I'm not vaccinated for my hepatitis A or B? What if I'm not vaccinated even for my chickenpox? Rubella, of course, all Singaporean girls are vaccinated, but a lot of our patients are foreigners and they're not vaccinated for that. The worst thing that can happen amongst all some of the other things that can happen is you painstakingly get pregnant and then lo and behold, you get a, a viral infection that affects mm-hmm. my baby. CMV, for example, toxoplasma, for example, these are medical terminologies, but these are organisms that can, in pregnancy, afflict the mom and not so much uh, causing a problem for the mom, but for the baby. So these are things that we try to look for. Nice. Yeah. I, I love how your question is so wholesome. Because my question is, okay, so every time the IVF doesn't work, right? Like first, like, how much? like yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. so I, was, I was first going to ask, no, before, before you go to the finances, yes, yes, I was yes. curious, like data-wise, yeah. IUI versus IVF, right? Which one is more clearly, successful? Like, what is the uh, clearly, numbers around uh, it? Well, stress has got to do with not being pregnant as well. So if one wants to be fairly certain that you're going to get pregnant, and given that, let's say, I, I, I give you a scenario. I am 32 years old, 
and uh, we have no apparent problem, unexplained. It's reasonable to do what's known as superovulation and IUI. Superovulation meaning, like I mentioned earlier, growing a few more eggs because you want to do something better than what nature has mm, done mm. but has not produced results, and then IUI. There's a certain uh, threshold beyond which we don't keep on doing the same thing. Mm. You reach what's known as the cumulative pregnancy rates. After three, maximum four, well-conducted uh, cycles, you would say, I think we've, we've uh, exhausted this. We should go on to IVF. Mm. Mm. However, things change. What if I'm 39 years old and you know that the egg quality and numbers decline as time goes on? Then we would tend to talk about IVF. And maybe the couple would say, Doc, can I try something more natural? Then I would say, okay, maybe one cycle. But, you know, what if I see there's something called the AMH levels. Mm. It is a... Uh, blood test that tells me the reservoir of my egg counts. Uh, and if it is exceedingly lowish, I would say, you know, you're better off going on to IVF as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. uh, all right, to maybe try one cycle, but no more than that because, you know, time of, is of the essence and so on and so forth. So there's, yeah. a, there's a little bit of dialogue that must mm -hmm. occur. But some women and couples have come, they've done their research. Doc, I think I'm ready for my IVF. Mm -hmm. I know I need it. This is what I've gone through. Uh, this is what the tests have been do doing from elsewhere. I know what it takes. Uh, can I embark on my IVF? This is my lull period. This is this is counterproductive and it's causing a huge amount of distress. You know, in mid-cycle, it's come to a, a, a halt. So our government was one of the earliest governments, and I give kudos to them, mm. to reverse this decision way before uh, anywhere else in the world. You know, so they, they, I think they, it's also because Singapore has like very low low birth count. We need lah, mm. we need lah. Yeah, yeah. 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 reproductive. Don't get me started on that. That's a whole new thing. Yeah, that's why they that's why they open up uh, IVF first. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, but yeah. now I'm with you because I heard something around three to four cycles, yes. and I know approximately how much one cycle costs. Yeah. So yes, please share with you're, us. You're talking huh? about IVF cycles or IUI? I mean, I I would love to hear both. Okay. You know, and in, also maybe in like a typical timeline for each cycle yeah. a unit of cycle is very abstract for my head you know almost yeah, like one menstrual period a month okay. but it's not okay. a month of stimulation mm, mm. and Suen will be a witness to that <laughs> often if it is just tablets it's easier we usually start tablets from the third day of your menstrual cycle to the seventh day then we might do a scan uh, nine, on the ninth day and sometimes on the 11th day, and that's probably the the most that you need to do to see when your follicle is nice and ripe. The follicle is the egg bag, as you know. It's between 17 to 22 millimeters when we measure it in three dimensions. And if that's the case, we know physiologically that the egg within, we hope there's an egg, because it doesn't mean that every follicle has an egg, might be ripe so that we do what's known as a trigger so that we time exactly when the IUI uh, should be done. We help nature to hone in on that window of opportunity. And some couples, sometimes there's also an added stress. As a doctor, uh, having them go through this, you would 
you might have to tell them, okay, maybe you try once here and once here and we do the IUI. And there's a tremendous amount of pressure, both for men and women, particularly in, in men, to performance anxiety and things like that, which we must help manage as well. And so we help them through this uh-huh. and we support the pregnancy really early in its mm. implantation phase by giving something called progesterone in the second half. Mm. So we go all out to try and make sure that this is this happens yeah, you know and, yeah. but it's it's really biologically it's the female that has to do a lot of the stuff mm-hmm. and because of that sometimes when a husband finds out he's got a low sperm count he is consumed with guilt and he feels helpless honey i'm so sorry you have to go through all of this but I want to do more, uh, you know, give me injections, doc. I, I will take the injections. Then I said, no, don't worry. Don't have to go for injection. But in ION, Tiffany is on this side and Cartier is on this side. So you're going to do your bed that way. So that adds to the cost. Like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Adds to the cost. <laughs> so yeah. some husbands yeah. want to help, but just, I mean, biologically, there's only so much they can do. Yeah. And that yeah. is why sometimes they do poorly and I'm not, um, you know, championing the male species as such. But what I'm saying is our hu- tremendous focus both at the IVF center, at the clinic, is all centered around the female. And the husband is somewhat left alone. Mm. And so when he undergoes uh, uh, something psychological or things like that, he may not feel that he can easily gain, gain access. Uh, IUI, uh, the drugs and all, easily we are looking at the $4,000, $3,000 per cycle. range uh, per cycle. You see, that's okay. the population IUI when, mm. when we use injectable. We use tablets, it's a little less costly. But typically in Singapore, IVF, be it government or private, in the government sector, maybe 10 to 12, in the uh, private sector, 12 to even 20. Uh, because, yeah, so per because, cycle yeah. will be like 10 but, to 20,000, yeah, depending on right. where you go. And, okay. and in the government, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think everything is uh, in their website. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The community is here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fertility support. Yeah. Fertility support.sg. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. A tremendous, tremendous source of information. Mm-hmm. Uh, got everything there, you know, mm-hmm. and the personal experiences and all. But ballpark, uh, that's the cost we're, we're talking about. Wow. But there can be additional costs. For example, yeah. if the husband needs to extract the sperms from the testis, I know you would say, ouch, but uh, yeah, yeah, sounds, from the testis. Uh, sounds, sounds because they, they, they can't produce uh, the sperms through uh, ejaculate. That's another additional cost. I really cost. feel like asking how, some, how big is that needle? <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Very tiny. Very tiny. Yeah. It's very tiny. Okay, okay. Mm. It's like somebody thanks, punching. Thanks for helping, right? right. <laughs> no, it's a motivation. It's like... It's true. No, it's done under anesthesia. Okay. Uh, okay. There's something okay. called through the skin extraction. It's mm. under local anesthetic. Mm. And they go home right away soon after. And if it is uh, something where an incision is made, a small, small, tiny incision is made, the tissues are extracted for sperms, uh, they go home the same day too. Okay. You know? So yes, it's a little bit uncomfortable, but... Yeah, uncomfortable. Yeah, I know. How much would that extra cost? 
Oh, that can be in the range. Uh, my urologist might uh, charge with hospitalization at least five to six thousand, sometimes okay. even okay. more. Okay. Yes. Okay. Easily. Wow. Wow. So Easily. it's it's quite pricey, lah. Mm. Essentially, right? So it's a very yeah. serious uh, investment. I, I in must this uh, say that in the government hospitals, at mm. least uh, our government uh, has done a great job. Okay, so mm. I think we must recognize that uh, I'm not saying this with, because I'm going to get some brownie points but it's a fact no, we'll, work have, you, we'll work for you we'll work for you I've been mistaken yeah, for yeah. Taman so, you know? yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> next election yeah. cycle is coming yeah, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> so they they have pretty much covered uh, a major segment of the courses, mm. including pre-implantation genetic testing as well mm-hmm. for genetic disorders. So in that regard, I think we are fortunate in this country in that regard. Mm. In the private sector, yes, it's a lot more costly, but you have a lot of leeway. You can come in at the time you want to come in. We can adjust schedules. Uh, and so on and so forth. You get personalized care. It's the doctor who does the scan, uh, your own doctor doing the scan, your own doctor talking to you, your own doctor doing the egg pickup, your own doctor doing the embryo transfer. You can have that level of care in the government sector, but you know you, you might want to engage a uh, specialist consult for, yeah. for that. That's also uh, there. Maybe maybe can give me a little bit more color around like the support I mean, like we did say, like there all this like co-funding mm-hmm. and all that. Right? Mm-hmm. Like what would what would the numbers look like mm-hmm. at the end out of pocket? How much how much are people gonna for expect to pay? The public okay. sector. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, for some of the couples, right, they might not even come up with any cash. Mm. Really? Okay, yeah. Yes. In the first because, few cycles. Yes, yeah. because there's Medisafe also. Ah, okay. Um, okay. The first first round is six thousand. Second round you can use five thousand. Then four thousand. Hmm. Okay, so that would be Medisafe out of the Medisafe, yes. like your own Medisafe. And then okay. there's co-funding as well. Okay. Yes, seven thousand seven hundred. Co-funding. Yeah. So essentially, sometimes some ladies don't even fork out with a. So yeah. it's about fifteen thousand dollars in total. Mm. Yes. Mm. So seven thousand seven hundred co-payment from the government. Mm-hmm. And that is for co-funding. every cycle. Co- yes. Co-funding for yes. every, every yes. cycle. Yes. Yes. So you can keep up doing... Up to three no, cycles. Up to three. three, three, three. Okay, okay. okay. Yes. And, uh, Just up to three. I mean, Great. Uh, younger than 40. If you started your program before your age of 40, then you can... Yeah. Uh, you, but up to a maximum of two cycles. But the full range of cycles, uh, if when you're younger... They, they support that because they know that after 40 it's uh, the success rates are poorer yes. so they want to discourage people from waiting far too waiting, long yeah. yeah okay okay so yeah. so this 7000 plus um co-payment mm-hmm. is before 40 Yes. And then after 40, no more. No, but if no, you, if start you get started before 40, before 40 okay. then you have it. You still ah, can yeah. use yeah, it after use 40. It, yeah. But if you, use, if you start after 40, then, then uh, no. yeah, That's when oh, okay. you have the private sector okay, coming, okay. stepping so in. So the, the start means like I start the IVF process. Mm. That means we mm. make First the embryo yeah, and everything yeah, and then we right. freeze it. You can actually right? start IUI also. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Just start before 40. Okay. Yeah. What, what, what is fertility treatment. Just, mm. I mean, I'm very outside, uh, but just for the <laughs> just for the sake of like, you know, ignorant guys mm-hmm. out there, right? So what if we start the IVF process, uh, you know, like maybe 35, you know, you make the embryo. You said you could freeze it, right? Can I freeze for five years and then you can yes. freeze come it back in? for 27 years. The longer surviving blastocyst that yeah. became a baby wow. in oh, the wow. United States was 27 years in, in the freezer. Wow. Yeah. So this couple had their own children, their children started having children and they didn't want to, you know, discard it. They donated it to another couple. Nice. You see, so, yeah. so 
in effect, actually is in suspended animation. And that's why egg freezing has sprouted all over the world now because an egg can be frozen and it's got to do with the new technology, fairly new, it's been around for a while, called vitrification. Vitri is glass-like state in Greek. And what that means is we freeze it so rapidly to 196 degrees minus in nitrogen that it hasn't got time to crystallize, you see? So crystallization is our big enemy. When you crystallize, the water molecules rupture and then our cells rupture, you see? So if we rapidly freeze, uh, it's, it's called vitrification. We can freeze our embryos. These days we are freezing our embryos that way. We used to do what's known as slow freezing. Our success rate for survival after thawing was not as good. But now we have survival rates of in excess of 90. Some would even say 98%, mm -hmm. you see, for both eggs and embryos. And therein lies the most important thing about IVF. IVF is the only technology that allows you to preserve your fertility literally infinitum. So if a young couple, as you pointed out, a 35-year-old comes in, I would urge them to do embryo, for want of a better word, embryo uh, banking. I, I tend to use the word mm -hmm. stockpiling, so, uh, so to speak, you know, um, because when you're young, if you have your embryos made, if you want to uh, sort of use your embryo years down the road, uh, you can. You don't have to go through the whole process again, and it'll be less efficient. So if I started having uh, my IVF at age 35, and I've had my first baby, and I want my second baby two years hence. I'm already 37, 38. And by the time you go through one pregnancy, easily two years pass you by, you know, the pregnancy, the breastfeeding, getting the courage to have another the pitter-patter of little feet again. It's two years down the road, three years down the road. But I have got 35-year-old embryos, you see? So my success rates be would be of a 35-year-old. My Down syndrome rates would be that of a 35-year-old, not of a 38, 39-year-old, year old, you see? So therein lies the tremendous, maybe I use the word power, of IVF. Mm -hmm. I can preserve my fertility because we as human, our fertility is so fragile. So let's say that 35-year-old couple walks in and they don't intend to have a kid, like kids yet, mm -hmm. but they're doing that embryo banking and they want to fully utilize the government subsidies as well. Uh, that's not entirely allowed in Singapore because mm -hmm. you must have a legitimate a reason for IVF. However, really great point you're bringing up because many couples in the United States, Australia, many parts of Europe, even in India, and not so much China, but I know for a fact in India, these are couples, they're coming in their early 30s. They feel that, okay, I want babies. And I think, dog, I make a better parent when I'm in my 40s. But I know the, the fragility of my fertility as well. So, I want to uh, make my babies and keep them so that at a later date, I can have my babies without running the risk mm -hmm. of not having babies or miscarriages or abnormalities. But I caution them in, in this regard. This is just one segment of, uh, of your biology. The rest of you is aging. What if you have a growth in your uterus? What if you have 
God forbid, a cancer? What if you have other illnesses and so on and so forth? And we all know that the womb can go through changes. Uh, adenomyosis is when there's menstrual blood that is stuck inside that makes it not a receptive uh, sort of place for the babies to grow. So mm. majority of us will be all right. It's a good thing to do if you want to, but it costs money. And, and therefore, some people have said that's treatment choice for the elite who can afford it because it's the biology. Mm. For men, in one way, you can reproduce through mm. the years, mm. but you do also go through genetic uh, derangements, uh, effects in the sperms as well. So men who are 50 and beyond, apparently, they have a higher incidence of schizophrenia and other conditions in the child. It's not like they don't have any genetic uh, issues. And in this day and age now, with so many pollutants in our environment, cadmium, mercury, lead, all the microplastics, the sperm counts around the world have been crashing, not just plummeting, they've been crashing. Our great-grandfathers had a far higher sperm counts than any of us today. And so WHO has had to readjust their thresholds, you know. So we are facing a major epidemic of male infertility because of all the toxins that are in our water supply and, you know, even cosmetics. A lot of estrogens getting into the blood supply. I mean, not blood supply, the water supply. And it's affecting sperm counts tremendously. So much so that in some countries like China, I've known of a colleague where they have uh, kiosks where they freeze the sperms for men. Oh. Uh, just like women oh. are freezing their eggs. In fact, some men have come up to me and say, you can freeze eggs. What about us? Mm. Can we freeze sperms? Mm. Uh, I mean, theoretically, it's easier to do, can be done, less costly. But nevertheless, you know that this is a major thing that's going on. So the group of couples that we're seeing with male fertility problems is growing, ever growing, a huge problem. And it's been also suggested that even your phones, electromagnetic radiation can, if you put it in a pocket, can affect the sperm making cells in the testes as well. And the other thing, I, because I researched in this and I was asked to talk on this, was if you wanted to test the overall health of a city, all you need to do, the cell that is easy to uh, acquire access to is the sperms. And that is a barometer of the overall health wow. of that population, whether there's toxic substances wow. going on. So early. where does Singapore rank in this? Uh, well, we are seeing quite a large number of male factor problems. We are. Yeah. Mm. I mean, our uh, TFR is quite low. <laughs> yes, our TFR is really yeah, low. It's very and, low. It's yeah, and lower than average OECD. You see, in the schools, uh, young uh, boys and girls are taught how not to get pregnant. No one really teaches them what is, again, I will use the same word, the fragility of our fertility as well. Mm -hmm. If you even ask some of my doctor colleagues who are, mind you, gynecologists, and they are 40 years of age and say, oh, my wife is only 40 years old, no problem. I, I'm sure we've got plenty of time. To which I, I tell them the stark reality, no, you haven't. You know? So I don't know whether I, I really answered your question. So if a, when a 35-year-old couple comes in, the main person where age is uh, sort of sensitive is the female, then we would do some essential tests. The most essential, if you ask me to just concentrate on one test per person, is sperm counts for the husband 
AMH for the wife. Mm-hmm. AMH okay. meaning egg reserve. Yes. How much would that cost? So the AMH is about $40. Okay, Sperm analysis fine. is about that's $170. Fine. That's fine. You know, that's fine. if you yeah, want yeah. to do it a bit more advanced, maybe $200, $300. Mm. But it's well worthwhile. Okay. There's been a big debate. Should we offer young women... Uh, instead of doing cholesterol and things like that, mm. if there were one test to check her fertility, should we use AMH? There's a big uh, controversy. Should we scare women? Just because I have an AMH of 8, am I any less fertile than someone with 15? There's so many other uh, multiple factors. To which I answer, it's uh, provide her that information mm. and do it uh, yeah. on a regular basis. If there's a downward trend, and we never know, I've got 30 year olds who come in with very poor egg counts and she doesn't, she never knew. Yeah, uh, awareness, she, right? Yeah. It's key. Yes. So very I good. did four retrievals and nine transfers uh, to have my two beautiful daughters. So after going through so many rounds of IVF, I really feel that the success of IVF, right, it boils down to actually what conditions you have. So I personally feel that let's say if it's just a male issue, things might be simpler. Mm. Then somebody Just who has the needle in on it, right? So, <laughs> no, because because IVF can choose, can choose the best, the most handsome looking sperm, right? Yes, Out yes. of the millions of sperm that you have, you can you can retrieve. I mean, you can ask the hus- the husband to, I mean, ejaculate I mean, <laughs> a few times over a week to to store the sperm so that you can get one sperm, right? But when it's woman, is different. You lose one month means that whole lot of eggs is gone you see so if you so i personally actually have autoimmune disorder i have a blood condition that attacks my organs yeah and it actually causes miscarriages so i went through more than two miscarriages um during my nine transfers lah. it sounds like there's quite a lot of money involved Mm-hmm. There is quite a bit of like the emotional kind of challenges yes. that you have to go through. Like what kind of support did you have? Did you have counseling, coaching, like what insurance. kind of support? Insurance. Yeah, does, yes. Does it, does it cover? No. Does insurance even cover these things? No. 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 Okay. no. Okay. Insurance doesn't cover. Unless no. I think you have some private insurance from private companies like rider on rider thing. no like, um, like well, some German and French <laughs> yeah, yeah, companies like some yeah. German international yeah. companies some, yes I think the maybe Japanese, they do uh, uh, patients of mine the government the government is very supportive uh, they have insurance coverage so uh, yeah. but that's also limited they have only a certain number of uh, egg mm. pickups and certain number of embryo transfers but, um, but in Singapore, most of no. them no okay. unfortunately no. Okay. no yeah so even miscarriage in Singapore if it's before 13 weeks insurance also don't cover how did you deal with that then? Like, like what, what, in terms of financially? I mean, financial, no, I mean, more of the emotional, emotional side too, right? Yeah. Looking back, right, when I was going through the cycle, I only had one goal. My goal is I want a baby and I, and that is like my price, you see. So even when I failed, yes, I was very down. Mm. I actually didn't want to talk to any of my friends who have kids. I mean, we were talk, uh, <sighs> like message. But then when they say, let's come for baby, uh, my baby shower, I was like, Oh, so sorry. I'm not free. I have work to do. I'll I'll excuse myself. Of course, I'll still maybe give present or ang pao. But uh, I think that's how I safeguard my own emotions also. Fair. Because imagine I can't have a baby Fair. and then I go to a baby shower or mm. a kid's birthday. Uh, I don't think I can deal with it. La. And Fair. I also don't want to bring my emotions to a birthday party, right? Yeah. So thankfully, my husband is very supportive. So he... 
uh, when we fail, he he will always tell me, it's okay, Suet. Let's do it again. Mm. I said, okay, let's do it again. And so, and my mom, um, she actually cooks for me very nutritious food. So she was like, Wonderful oh, yeah. yeah. So she, every time when I fail, she was like, okay, never mind. Let's start again. So oh. I'm, I'm hearing quite a bit of like strong boundaries yes. with yourself, but also a strong family, strong family. support, yes. a good husband. So, and if there is one thing, what do you wish you had known then? I would say to be more logical, to know that actually when you're doing IVF, it's, it's for a chance. It's not that you do IVF, you will definitely succeed. And also, every failure or any failure is not because of me. Mm. I'm not the cause of it. So I always I always tell um, ladies, when they actually go through any failure, I actually say, no, you did your best. You did. You went through all these treatments. You went through all the injections, all the anxiety. Actually, what we all want to know is we did our best. And what we all, all want the people around us to know also is we did put our best effort in and we, we really did our best already. And there's so many things outside of your yeah. control, mm-hmm. right? And yes. on that vein, um, the workplace environment is also all important. Yeah. In your in in their group, uh, there are some individuals I, I saw. Mm-hmm. I can't mention her by name, but she uh, shared what she was going through at a workplace with her bosses and all. In fact, sometimes I've had to actually uh, speak to the boss on behalf of my patient and say that this is what she, uh, challenges her. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to uh, support. And the Singapore government and even Ministry of Manpower is very supportive of women and couples mm. going through the fertility uh, journey and getting people at your workplace to understand it's getting there. I must say, uh, you know, things are changing quite rapidly. Uh, if I look at my practice the last five years and then 10 years ago, there have been tremendous strides, mm. one nice. being your group, and there have mm. been tremendous strides. You know? so, nice. And that's nice. also got to do with the fact that a lot more people are going through this. So it's not a... A sort of a taboo subject. Yeah. It's no longer like a myth that uh, you know IVF is only for those who uh, deferred or waited mm. so long. But you know, mm. young couples, as I pointed out, if mm. they have a male factor, she started when she was very young, and thankfully so because mm. then you know at least you had a greater opportunity for mm. uh, eggs yeah. and younger eggs and so on and so forth. So the workplace environment mm. plays a, a huge, huge role as well. Nice. You know? Okay. Yeah. yeah. In closing, any last things you want to add? Any last things you want to shout out? I think you guys share a lot of good stuff. Uh, if you're going through fertility treatments or if your friends, family members are going through fertility treatments, come to fertilitysupport.sg on our IG. We do have a lot of uh, information inside and also we do have meetups that we do face-to-face because I feel that face-to-face is really very important. And it's a very private setting, in a private setting. So don't worry, all these are kept confidential. And we actually have 50 over WhatsApp groups, like with all the different ladies in different like clinics and yeah. Different and stages. Different, different sta- yes, different mm. stages and also different medical conditions. Yeah. So if you're actually facing all this some of the conditions, something like virginismus mm-hmm. is very personal. Uh, we do also have a WhatsApp group for it. You just contact us anytime. There'll be somebody who will 
answer you on yeah. on IG. Always there. No, yes, love it. Love it. We are always there, love There's it. actually 20, 20 plus of us. Nice volunteering. Mm. Yeah. Nice, so nice, nice. there's a lot of support in our group. Great, great, love it. What about dogs? So well, how can they uh, reach you? The one message I want to put across yeah. is. If you believe you might have a problem, even if you are not certain, don't wait. Mm-hmm. Please gain access to your doctor, um, a gynecologist, or even uh, need not be a specialist. Or just go into the website and re- read more about fertility. If you're younger than 35, if after maybe a year, 10 months of trying and nothing seems to be happening, please don't wait. Uh, gain access to anyone in the government hospital or the private sector to get more information uh, whether you might have a problem or not. But if you're past 35, uh, within six months, you've not had a baby yet, then you might want to uh, you know, see your doctor about it and just do some important uh, tests in, to initiate uh, um, the process, you see. So time uh, and age, particularly for, unfortunately, for, for the female, is all important. IVF doesn't work as well uh, the older we get. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's that's the thing uh, that, that I want to put across, uh, you know. Uh, although we realize it, we might not action on it, you know. So that's the message. Great, great. Thank you. Thank, Thank you for you. your time. Thank you Thank for your time. You. Lovely. Thank you. That's awesome. Nice. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.